This week on the Recruitment Flex, we haven't learned anything from the pandemic as Shopify lays off most of their recruiters. Fairmont hides behind, we did our due diligence when it comes to the biggest bust of illegal workers in Canada's history. No one wants to work anymore. A tale that's been told since the 1800s and we have the proof. And also, research confirms your university degree requirements are holding you back. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hey now, welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge, and who are you, my (laughs) co-host? It's me, it's Shelly B. If you're going to start with the Hey Now, shouldn't we have intro music? Yeah, I stole Hey Now from Howard Stern, (laughs) (laughs) who stole it from Larry Sanders. So how are you, Shelly? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm still smiling. You know, getting away for 10 days just did the world good for me. Yeah. You feel refreshed. You feel I do. like you're I back really in the do. game. Yeah. I really felt a lot of stress melt off me and put a lot of thought to what's important and what I want to do next. It was great to just truly step away and big round of applause to my team here at Higher Value because they just didn't miss a beat. They had my back. It was amazing. Well, that's a sign that you've set up a good company there that you can leave and come back and everything's in great shape. And they're probably in better position than when you left. I know. So maybe you should leave more often. Here's my theory, and I think it's always held true, is that you're doing something right. If your team steps up and wants to impress you with what they'll do without me being there to say, go and do this. A lot of work went into preparation before I left. So everybody was really clear on who's doing what. They found ways to wow me to go, holy cow, you really... Didn't miss a thing. Like it was amazing. Good. And your company is just booming right now. So that's a good sign. Yeah. On that note, I heard a rumor that you're going to be involved with RecFest 2023. Yes. There's an advisory committee formed for RecFest 2023. And, you know, we'll be trying to decide on locations because it's going to come to the U.S., which gives us in North America a better opportunity to be part of RecFest versus having to travel to Europe or Australia, because that's where it was held in 2019, right? So that's a little far for us to go. (laughs) And the other thing is we will be going to HR Tech in Las Vegas, September 13 to 16, I believe. All our friends are going to be there. I think it's going to be lots of fun. I've been to Vegas in... Four or five years. So I think it's been 10 years for me. I used to go all the time. Why? Well, Why there's a story there. There's a story. Tell me. Okay. At age 21, myself and two of my girlfriends, this was like 1986. We okay. get on a plane and we go to Vegas. And there's three Canadian girls that I think the whole time we just kept saying, wow, because we'd never seen anything like it in our lives. Fast forward, the casino credit executive for Caesars Palace falls in love with one of my girlfriends, proposes to her on their first date, gets her a ring. She calls back to her boss and says, I'm not coming back. 
<laughs> and he flies up to Canada with her. They get married in Canada. And she's lived in Las Vegas ever since. Ever since. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. True story. Surprise that didn't happen to you. (laughs) Well, and maybe it will this year. I think that's what's going to happen. No. Oh, God. No. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? She stayed in Vegas. (laughs) She did. And she's still there. So I used to go all the time. Yeah. Well, so, Vegas is a place I can go every five to 10 years. It's yeah. definitely not a place that I'll go every year. Now you've had enough after three or four days. Yeah. yeah after three, enough. I yeah. completely agree. Hey, I was curious because we yeah. talked about this like two, three weeks ago, but we haven't really followed back. Brooklyn, your daughter had interviewed with Aritzia, really good experience. Did she get the job? What's the status update there? So, you know, I tried to coach her on this because she was called back for a second interview in person. She thought it went really well, which is, again, I think I said before, kudos to them. And they said they'd be making a decision by Tuesday. So crickets, not even a regrets email to say, we put our hiring on hold or thank you for interview, nothing, total silence. So she's nonstop applying to many companies that aren't asking for experience because she admits she doesn't have any and no responses, not even emails to say, thank you for your application. She got a lead from one of her friends who's working at Eddie Bauer. And that seems to be the way to hire is referrals. Okay, this is shocking because these are all the retailers that are complaining. I've been to malls recently that are closing way earlier than they did before because they're all citing a lack of staff. While you have someone with Brooklyn, and I look at Brooklyn Aritzia, I see a perfect fit. She's stylish, exactly in that demographic. Yeah, and she was an honor student. She's She's an honor student. Drama, music, community volunteering. Like a second interview. I mean, like the first time they did an interview, when can you start? You start Monday, boom, it's done. I'll send you the paperwork. This is absolutely insane that Brooklyn has not been able to get a job in a market where everyone is complaining. They can't find young workers to work anymore. And we're going to talk a a lot more about that moving forward. Stay tuned, folks, because we've got some more to say about that. I'm going to start calling bullshit on employers that are saying that they can't find the people because this is not the first story I've heard like this. That's why I was curious to see, is Brooklyn working? She's willing to take any shift. Yeah, She'll work weekends. In her cover letter, she said, you can even call me in with very short notice. I can be your standby. Nothing. Crickets, man. Well, I want to give you another example. So I was at Five Guys a couple of weeks ago and a couple of young people walked in and wanting to apply for a job. So the first person had a resume, so gave the resume. And the second person did not have a resume. And I, I would say, oh, she was probably 16, 17, exactly in that demographic that Five Guys would hire. And the manager on location gave her a really hard time for not having a resume. And I'm like, it's a fucking burger joint. Don't you have application forms? That's how it's always been. And they did have application forms, but he really demeaned her to a point that- You're a customer overhearing this. Oh, I'm hearing all of this. Oh my God. And maybe I have a keen ear to it when I saw people looking and wanting to talk to the manager to apply for a job. So I was really curious of how it was going to flow. That gave me another example. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You're telling me you're desperate for staff. There were so many 
help wanted signs that anyone walking in willing to do the work and they're giving them a hard time because they don't have a resume at 16 years old to me is crazy. What is going to be on that resume? Nothing, right? Like nothing. They've never worked. Name, address, phone number. There's a perfect case for where a QR code in store would absolutely work. Manager hands you a little business card, QR code, takes you to iSIMS or whatever applicant tracking system you guys are using, name, address, phone number, what's your availability, the typical five questions, right? Exactly. You start right away. What shifts can you work? What else do they need to know? Nothing. But anyways, I'm getting frustrated. So let's jump into the recruitment insights. One Canadian company who I would say is one of the most well-recognized company in Canada when it comes to the tech center is Shopify. And Shopify announced this week that they're laying off around 10% of their staff, which is equivalent to around a thousand people. I think they said a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm reading in deeper and I'm trying to figure out exactly who they're laying off. And it's highlighted that most of the roles are in recruiting, support, and sales. Obviously, they're eliminating also over-specialized and duplicate roles, which I think you should do anyways. But I've seen this firsthand during a pandemic working for a tech company that they laid off sales and recruitment, and it put the company in deep trouble when the market picked up. What do you think of Shopify's approach here? Why are they laying off revenue generating roles? What's your thoughts when you read this? Same as you. I would have expected the typical over-specialized or duplicate roles. That's the norm, right? I always say, here's how you know that your job has the kiss of death. Any job title with the word strategy or strategist, Mm -hmm. you can guarantee that's fucking made up. That is a bullshit job title because they hire you for friends, family, who knows? Those are always the first to go. And duplicate roles. Do you really need three managers of customer care when really a team lead of customer care is probably more appropriate? But when the money's flowing in, that's what happens is they start getting a little fast and loose with their hiring practices. But you're absolutely right. My God, if we learn nothing from the pandemic is don't ever lay off your recruiters unless you plan not to be in business and support roles. I know everybody was hoping that what they're going to say is they're laying off their software developers or something, but to be laying off support staff, because that's your customer experience, right? That's your customer experience team yeah. and your sales so, team. These are all the faces of your brand. And those are the first people that you lay off. To me, it sounds counterintuitive. Remember when the pandemic first hit, ZipRecruiter got absolutely crucified in the press for laying off salespeople. Why would you do that? The first sign of a dip in their business and they start laying people off. Well, and this goes to the argument that we've been talking about loyalty with employers. These are the same employers when they're going to hire are going to look at what they call the job hoppers and say, no, I definitely don't want someone that's hopping jobs every two years. That is so true. But at the same point, the minute that the business gets a little tough, like Shopify is still a very profitable business. And this is causing even more disjoint between the workers and the company. So when we talk about loyalty and job hoppers, like, guys, come on, give me a break. What's interesting in that same statement, we cut that short, was some groups that were convenient to have, but are too far removed from building products. So I think the CEO was specifically saying 
don't bother coming after our IT talent, our software developers. Yeah. Don't bother because they're not going anywhere. And I get that because it was so hard to be able to get them. But these same people, like these software developers, they know what's going on in the company as well. And the minute they see layoffs, they start getting worried and they are more open to roles that maybe they didn't consider in the past. So we'll see what happens. I do think it's a shame that a little bit of hard times, this is what they do. So talking about hard times, I do want to jump into a recruitment insight. And it's very Canadian focused, but it applies to the rest of the world. Fairmont, which is a company that runs resort hotels in some of the most beautiful places in the world. Two weeks ago, more than 100 foreign workers that were employed through a third-party agency are now out of a job. And some of them, if not most of them, have been ordered to leave the country after the Canadian Border Service Agency found out they were working in the country without proper documentation. So Fairmont is coming back and saying, well, we hired an external third-party staffing firm that all of this was done true. I am a little shocked because the name of the staffing firm is One Team. I did tons of research trying to figure out what One Team is, where did it exist, and I couldn't find anything. And then reading into this article, one of the things that Fairmont is saying is, hey, it's not our fault. We did our due diligence. We hired them. They're not employees of us. It's this staffing firm that screwed them. To me, that's a total cop-out. First of all, what due diligence did you do? Because there's nothing that screams legitimate about this one team staffing firm. Like, it's fucked up. It is. And I do believe it's also the largest investigation of its kind in the history of Canada Border Services. They've never had an investigation this large with that many people involved. And I'm with you, Serge. Even when I worked back in corporate, we had a department called supply chain. Yeah. And they were contracts specialists. They would insist that you get at least three quotes, right? At least find one or two other firms. So you mean to tell me that this company, the one team, that they stacked up against a Ronstadt or a Manpower? Like, seriously? Did you go to anyone else? Or were you simply blinded by the fact that they said, we can get you 100 workers in three weeks? Well, okay, in what world can anybody get a work permit that fast? Nobody. Like, you can't tell me that they didn't know. Or they went around supply chain and just pulled the trigger and signed this contract. They did not do due diligence. A company the size of Fairmont is going to do business with a company that you can't even find their website. You can't find a trace of them anywhere. Nobody's ever heard of them. It doesn't make any sense at all. Get the desperation. They're already 30% short on the regular staffing levels. So I think desperation really set in. And they cut a lot of corners to be able to execute. I just don't think one team was legitimate. I think it was on purpose in some ways Mm -hmm. because they were looking for tourists in Toronto and it's just a whole. And they used Facebook. They, They had postings and even now you can't find a trace of them anywhere on Facebook. But imagine finding a Facebook message sent to this specific group of workers And you mean to tell me these workers entered the country to say that they're on vacation because you have to have a return ticket if you're on vacation, correct? So when you cross the border, 
and say you're here on vacation and then you find a job and you don't tell the Canadian government that you're going to stay longer. There isn't a country in the world where you can do that. So the question I have here for you when it comes to the regulation to the staffing industry I know it's pretty lax in Canada overall, depending on the province. I'm not exactly sure how regulated the staffing industry is across the world. But Shelly, what's your thoughts on how these companies are regulated and held to an account? Well, and so I do believe that as a result of this investigation, Ontario has for a long time been very vocal about the regulation of staffing firms because there's many cases throughout the years where you've got a contractor through a staffing firm that's being paid less than the person they're sitting beside doing the same work who's an employee. I've always felt that some staffing firms are very predatory. That is, they look for people and they play on their, well, you can do this job temporarily. Maybe you'll get a permanent offer if you're really good. That has been a mantra for so long. I can see why government may start to step in now and say, hold on a minute. You need to prove that you are following all of the provincial laws, that there is some fair play happening here in terms of how you treat workers. Because most agencies are super top secret about the pay rate. And then they say, oh, because of privacy, right? No, it's not because of privacy. The reason it's a secret is because you're paying them less than what the employer would pay their own people. Where is the shame in making money? You can have a margin because that's what the company is paying for, is for you to find these people, onboard these people, pay these people, but they should be paid the same as any other worker on that site. I agree. I do think there needs to be way more regulation because anyone can open shop with a staffing firm One tomorrow. team proved it. In most provinces, right? There's no cost of entry to just open up shop and you're a staffing firm with no experience, no knowledge, and you're dealing with people's lives here. So it does need to be regulated a lot more. And I'm going to say Fairmont, like you should be held liable for this or anyone that doesn't do their due diligence as they said they did. There needs to be some repercussions on that. Yeah. Before we move on, Serge, what do you think they meant by due diligence? To me, I would have reference, how you're getting your people, all of You have the financial wherewithal to pay them because Fairmount pays your invoice in what, 30 days. That means you've got to pay these people. Were they getting paid cash? Yeah, no, that's- They had to have been. They had to have been, Serge. Their due diligence was to make sure the contract that they had with one team had all the terms and conditions that they needed to see. without a further probe on the stability or the reputation of the firm. One of the things that I did want to talk about, I was in Atlantic Canada for a couple of weeks and Mm -hmm. I kept hearing over and over that people don't want to work anymore. And I found it really upsetting because it's not fact. There's a lot more to it. So one day I'm going through Twitter and this gentleman named Paul Ferry had a whole Twitter thread going through the history of newspapers where there's articles saying that young people just don't want to work anymore. Do you know when it dates back to? Like, what's your guess? 
I would say it's as old as time. I believe even our generation looks back at the two generations behind us. My grandparents, my great grandparents, it's almost programmed into human beings to always think that I work much harder than my kids do. It's like great grandpa stuff. Yes. Always been there. 1894 is the first (laughs) newspaper article you could find. I'll read it to you. With all the mines of the country shut down by strikers, what will the poor editor do for coal next winter? It is becoming apparent that nobody wants to work these hard times. And I'm going to keep going in a couple of ones, then we can talk about it. So 1905, labor is scarce, high and very unreliable. None want to work for wages anymore. Then to 1960, the topic, nobody wants to work. What about vegetable? Hasn't it been a good year for vegetables? The dealer was asked. He answered, the reason for food scarcity is that nobody wants to work as hard as they used to. 1922, what is the cause of unemployment in hard times? The manufacturing businessmen say it is because nobody wants to work anymore unless they can be paid enough wage to work half of the time. Then I'm going to go to... What year was that one? What year was that one? That one was 1922. (laughs) 1937, faced with a shortage of labor when unemployment is widespread, New York and Adams counties are complaining that nobody wants to work anymore. Then it goes on. It's timeless. It's a timeless thing. 1969, 1979, 1981, 1999, 2006, 2022. It's a story as old as time. So if you're saying that, you're coming across as an idiot, in my opinion, because it's not the reality. People do want to work. There's very few of us that are so wealthy that we don't have to work. Well put. People need to work. The reason you have a comfortable lifestyle is because you work hard. And same thing with me. I am not afraid of hard work. The common theme though, was people don't want to do it for crappy wages. That's why. That's a common theme. And I think it piggybacks right into the next insight because it's one that we've been talking a lot about is where have all the workers gone? Yeah. We now finally have, at least in Canada, a really clear answer based on what Statistics Canada has come out with. One of the things we blamed it on COVID. We blamed it on our program here. Government subsidy. Yeah. Yeah. Government I hear that subsidies. so much. In the US, just, we've heard it. But that's been done for a long time and the complaints have not changed. But I think it's become pretty clear. Boomers are exiting the workforce in droves and the pandemic really accelerated it, even though we expected this 15, 20 years ago. And it really never happened because the workers stayed in the workforce a lot longer than past generations, but they have finally retired. Right now, according to Stats Canada, unemployment to job vacancy ratio is a key measure comparing the number of Canadians looking for work to the number of available jobs is currently hovering at a historic low in every province. In fact, the ratio is significantly lower now than it was before the pandemic began If we look at the key workforce, 25 to 54, 88% is working. 
We have never seen that level. We never had so many people work. People that used to work in retail before or any entry-level jobs now can work, say, in an office job. Someone that was in an office job can work in a management job. And it's elevated the rank across the board as far as where people can work. So we're seeing restaurants, bars, hotels, food services. They're having a really hard time because they haven't really adjusted their pay. And people don't really want to do those jobs anymore, unfortunately, unless they're well paid. Yeah, this is what we were seeing in the comparison between Canada and Europe or North America and Europe. Because in Europe, to be a server or work in hospitality is a good paying job. And you're absolutely right. People are finding work in other places. It's not that they're not working. And take a look at the unemployment rate. People are working. It's just that they don't want poorly paid jobs that are marginalized. Because how do we see servers or food service people? Are they treated well? No. And they can't make a living doing it because the wages are so low. Workers have more choice, simply put. Well, I do think it's a respectable job. I just don't see it's perceived or they're treated like it's a respectable job. They're getting abused. They're understaffed. And they're like, fuck this. I'm going to go do something different. And I don't blame them. The only way out of it, if you're looking at those types of companies, we've said it a thousand times, you're going to have to pay a lot more. You're going to have to pay a lot more. And if you don't have a business that sustain those additional wages, well, you don't have a business. That's well, it. That's all. Yeah. The strike was averted this week by WestJet here in Calgary. Their baggage handlers, they had voted for a strike vote and it was over wages and working conditions and hours. They're overworked and underpaid. So strike was averted. And of course, it's not made public how much they're going to increase their wages. But I did hear a report that baggage handlers start at $15 an hour. And after seven years, you can make as much as $23 or $24, I think. Don't quote me on that. But after seven years, you you get up to a $10 an hour increase. Oh, my God. Who wants to do that? Well, no one's going to wait. No one's going to wait that long. Generally, that type of job is a job that you want to do in transition to something else for a lot of people, maybe not for everyone. So you're not going to be there seven years handling baggages. Hold on. So if you look at some of the other large Canadian airlines, right, that were previously government owned, like Air Canada, there are lots of baggage handlers that made a career out of it because it was a well-paying job. There, there. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. When you have these other airlines entering into the mix, that's how they ended up getting unionized to begin with, was paying half of what an Air Canada baggage handler would be paid. So last week we talked about college education and how important it is and how many are actually leveraging it in their day-to-day jobs. And you found a really interesting article. Do you want to highlight a little bit what you found? So It does tie beautifully into what we were talking about last week in that new grads are struggling to find jobs. Again, there's another disconnect to say people don't want to work. No, these are people who went to school thinking that this would help them get a job and they end up getting jobs that have nothing to do with their degree. Essentially, the study of a thousand hiring managers said two thirds of them are handcuffed 
by this requirement to have a degree in order to fill their positions. And that recent grads sometimes won't even apply because they don't feel qualified. Mm. So college grads versus university degrees. When in fact, we know that most of these jobs do not require a degree. So what's going on? Why are hiring managers so, they said, handcuffed to require a degree? My two cents on this. Yeah, please. They're just lazy. You think? Yeah. They're lazy and it's always been done this way. Well, I think that's a very big factor. I would agree with that. I think the other factor that I've seen firsthand is a little bit elitism when it comes to some of these hiring managers be like, I went to this school, I got a university degree or whatever the case is, that person working for me has to do the same. Why should they get an unfair advantage because they didn't have to go to university? I think there's a little bit of that. Am I off base? Possibly. Again, term comes to mind. It's called generational trauma. I was treated this way, so I'm going to treat you this way. Yeah. Versus when you think about healthy relationships, I went through this whatever, this hard time or had this difficult situation. And so I'm going to ensure that you don't have to. That's a healthy relationship. That is. This, what this says to me is I'm going to make you endure this because I had to. You nailed it. I think there's a bit of generational trauma is a new word that I've never heard of, but it describes <laughs> well, it. Do you know, well, do you know where I heard it? They were talking about the royal family oh. <laughs> and how Prince Philip treated Prince Charles like shit, sent him away to some torturous boarding school at age 11. And so in turn, Prince Charles was about to do the same thing to his kids if it hadn't been for Lady Di saying, no, my children aren't going to be treated that way. And just because you had to endure it, be beaten, starved, and cold showers, you have to go through it too. That's where I first heard it, was in reference to the royal family and how that had to stop within the family, like making your children endure the same horrible things you did. There you go. Shelly, always a pleasure. And actually for the audience, me and Shelly are going to be meeting up face-to-face in real today. life i'm actually driving up to the middle of nowhere where she lives oh no i live the other in side of the world you live in the middle of fucking nowhere <laughs> it's just on the other side of the city so i'll see you soon shelly thank you everyone for listening have a great week talk soon bye the world's best known investor and wall street expert warren buffett once said Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.